senior in high school, my AP calculus teacher's husband got deployed and stationed somewhere else. So she had to pack up and go. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have an AP calculus teacher, but we also don't have an Algebra One teacher for mm-hmm. the kids that she's teaching. Actually, I became their te- I became the teacher. I'm sorry. What? I became in high school. In high school, the Algebra One teacher. I took over her Algebra One classes. Hey, friend. Pursuit of excellence. Well, that has no age limit time frames or glass ceilings if you can dream it you can achieve it well now let's talk about it stay tuned i'm ashley white the host of joy on the journey podcast a weekly podcast all about defining finding and maintaining joy on the journey of life i have promised transparent and educational conversations inspiring rather conversations and this week's guest is going to take it to a whole nother level y'all we are honored to have in our presence dr sharita wilson rogers she has received her doctorate of education from baylor university where she is an adjunct professor in addition she is the coordinator of accountability and school improvement for a school district on the west side of Houston with almost 90,000 students. And I am so happy that she has yielded this time to join us on the podcast. Dr. Sharita, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this podcast, especially in season two, is diving deeper into moments of joy, what joy feels like when you experience both the highs of joy and those moments where joy can be difficult to determine. So as you look back over your life and you know, have the old folks saying, I think things over. Think things over. What was one moment when you thought I am at the mountaintop of joy? Looking back, the first mountaintop of joy actually happened as a senior in high school. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to have my high school guidance counselor walk into my AP physics class and ask to see me and my cousin Maurice. And she pulled us out and we both were like, what's going on? And she said, y'all are both now Clemson Coca-Cola scholars. I have ne- had never been to Clemson, didn't know what Clemson looked like. I knew Clemson University. I knew they were the rivals to University of South Carolina, but I had never graced the campus. But then she said, this is a full ride. I said, excuse me? She said, yes, as two of the highest performing seniors in your graduating class, you have the opportunity for this academic scholarship. And I don't really know in that moment if I really understood what was happening until I went home to share with my mom And she said, do you really understand what's happening? That you now know where you're going to school and that we have the money for you to go. And then I think it became even more of an understanding of how joyful it was as I continue to now have to be the support to some of my friends who didn't have that resource come to them, who I had to help write entrance, um, you know, papers Mm -hmm. for, for scholarships and, to have to write, um, you know, get recommendations. And know that I still, because um, it was an academic scholarship, it, was, it paid for tuition and fees, but it didn't pay for housing and it didn't pay for food. So I still, I had to, too, apply for some scholarships and was blessed to get enough to be able to, to, to cover and to get some financial aid, right, to help with those situations. So God just continued to provide and to bless. And I was like, wow. I'm going to school. I know where I'm going in October. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That was the first of many, but I think that was the first time I really felt like the hard work that I have done, the time that I had spent, and to know that at that time my family had gone through so many different things that it was a time that 
Lord, I can take one more thing off my mom's plate. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. You reap what you sow kind of a moment Mm -hmm. for me. Wow. That is beautiful to even at that young age be able to accept the gift, Mm -hmm. feel worthy of the gift, Mm -hmm. and then to place it at an understanding of the relief. Absolutely. So let me ask, prior to getting this news, where was Clemson on your list of schools? (laughs) Clemson wasn't even on the list of schools. Was not even. um, I truly and honestly thought I was going to go to UCLA. I okay. told my mom that's where I wanted to go. She was not feeling not only like leaving out of state, but like across the country. I'm a Carolina girl, was born and raised right outside of Charleston, South Carolina, in a small town called Cross, South Carolina, where everybody knows everybody. And I fell in love with UCLA in like the sixth grade. Did okay. all the research. That's where I wanted to go. Again, never had never laid eyes on it. All I knew was through TV and, and my own research. And I had not really, to be honest, start to make what I call the short list of colleges, Mm. right? What I did know was that education was going to help me help my mom. Mm. That, that was never, that was never a doubt. Once, um, you know, my biological parents got divorced and my brother, you know, went to jail and then, um, my brother's child, my, my biological parents ended up adopting my niece and she became my sister. I just knew education was going and what's so interesting actually is that my um elementary school motto is education is the key that unlocks the doors to a brighter future like that like that's like that's just a model we've said education is the key to unlock the door like like I, now i've been brought up being t- to say that as a model right but i lived by it because mm-hmm. i just knew this is going to be the way that i help my mom to really take some relief off my mom's plate and get me to where i thought I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what it was about. That was my focus, right? Mm-hmm. Now, where I was going to achieve that at, I didn't quite know other than thinking I was going to UCLA. But like I said, once Ms. Wright called me out and said, you have this scholarship for Clemson, it wasn't even, me and my cousin both looked at each other like, I guess we're going to Clemson. Right. You know? Our parents took us there for orientation in the summer. That was the first time we laid eyes on it. Had never been there. But it was the right fit. It felt right. Mm-hmm. It was. It helped our parents. It, 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 that's where I was going to go. That's beautiful. So from that moment until now, how would you say your life and your definition of joy changed? Joy has always come in the form of a, a, of a feeling of peace. And it's always, as I would say, as I reflected, as, as I've talked to you and, and prepared for this podcast, I would say joy always came once I felt like I had really been in the valley. Mm. Um, so, for instance, um, a joy moment, then a valley moment. So a joy moment is, you know, I got, I graduated from Clemson, found the ideal job, became a high school math teacher, was a cheerleading coach. And one month into teaching, I got diagnosed with my autoimmune disease. Mm. Didn't know where this pain was coming from, where the swelling is coming from. Go to work one Monday, ended up telling my principal, hey, I got to go to the doctor. I'm in a whole lot of pain. Walked straight into the doctor's office. They're like, we got to get you into surgery Mm. just that quickly. So here I am having the moment of my life. Oh, my God, I graduate college in four years. I have the job. I'm living on my own. Think I'm grown, living my best life. And now I have health issues. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, at the same time, I go to work every day. I watch my kids grow as students in my class. I see them being successful. I'm teaching seniors. I get to see them graduate and mm-hmm. them experience some of the, like, you know, that whole senior moment. And then to see my first class of kids that I teach mm. cross the stage, that brought me joy. Yeah. Now, in the back of my head, I'm worried about these episodes that I'm having from the autoimmune disease. So even though I, I have the moments of pain and, and valley moments, I'm on the top. Because I have peace knowing that where God placed me, I'm making an impact on children. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing 
my time and energy manifest itself. I, st- I literally started college and my niece slash sister was starting kindergarten. Wow. Right? So to see her blossoming and growing and what looking to me and, and wanting to hear about school and coming to visit me. So even as I'm struggling through courses and, you know, sh- studying and procrastinating and doing all the things mm-hmm. at college, she's looking to me yeah. to, to say, okay, this is how we do things. Um, then to get my master's, a whole nother story. Wanting to get, well, let, back up with that, Ashley. Um, I get this job as a teacher. I teach high school mathematics. I'm a chilling coach, but I'm not certified because mm. I can't pass the test. Had to take the state of South Carolina certification test nine times. Wow. Well, actually, I took the state of South Carolina test six times and always would miss it from one to three points, six times. So I literally am on top of the world but nobody's know I'm struggling with this certification test. I'm seeing my kids grow. I'm investing myself. I can't pass this test. So let me ask why you are constantly in pursuit of this certification that is necessary. That's necessary. Because as a senior, what I didn't say, also as a senior in high school, my AP calculus teacher's husband got deployed and stationed somewhere else. So she had to pack up and go. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have an AP calculus teacher, but we also don't have an Algebra One teacher for mm-hmm. the kids that she's teaching. Actually, I became their te- I became the teacher. I'm sorry. What? I became in high school. In high school, the Algebra One teacher. I took over her Algebra One classes. So there's a substitute teacher in there with me, an adult, but I am actually teaching the content because I was the highest performing math student. In my high school. And my principal, for the first time, had ever called my mom. And, of course, my mom was a school district employee. She was the secretary to the superintendent of my school district. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he calls and has her own speakerphone. And she's going off. Keith, what are you calling me for? Why is you talking about Sheree? Like, she thinks I'm in trouble. And he's trying to say, Yvonne, I need your permission for Sharita to be able to teach this class. My name is Sharita Wilson at that time. Jason Wright is right behind me in my graduating class. I was his high school math algebra one teacher. So it was in me before I fought the challenges of being a certified teacher. So what is going through your mind as you are asked to step into a role as a as a student as a child what is going through your mind when you are asked to do this truthfully and honestly Ashley Mm -hmm. I can remember saying to my mom Mm -hmm. mom I now have the opportunity to impact my peers lives wow so even then you're considerate um because even as I was a a student in in high school Mm -hmm. I can remember having friends who struggled academically and I wanted to fix it Mm. I wanted to tutor I wanted to help my mom would say friends would come over and she said she could hear me teaching them Mm. right like I was the leader of the group project or whatever because I didn't want to see people struggle and if I could be support I wanted to be support Um, I would get in trouble I can't remember being in Miss Touchbury's geometry class and I would finish and I would be sitting next to somebody and they would be struggling and she didn't want us to help them, but actually I can't just sit there and watch somebody struggle. So was that modeled for you by your mom, by your grandmother? Where did you get <laughs> the, this? Everybody, everybody, okay. everybody. Um, my family is givers, mm. nurturers. Um, even right now, Ashley, I feel like my mom's like trying to take care of like three and four households at a time, right? Like if she gets something, she's going to share it well. I'm the country, right? So we, everybody grows vegetables and fruits or whatever. So something comes to my mom. She's going to say, oh, I can take this to sister so-and-so's house, and I can drop this off to brother. Oh, I can cook this, whatever. That's what's been modeled. And even when we had the least. Mm. And I didn't even, you know, you didn't even realize you were having, like, we're living off my mom's single parent income here, mm-hmm. right? But if she got it and somebody else needed it or she could share that's what she was do. That's what she did. Um, my mom actually went to school for business education, did her student teaching, and figured out, okay, this is not really what I want to do. 
but still wanted to be in education, right? Me, on the other hand, I knew I loved mathematics and really thought more of the corporate side, accounting, actuary, those kinds of things. But then once I went in that classroom, actually as a senior, I was like, okay, maybe it's math ed. And then let me do a minor in something that maybe if this, I get in the classroom and fall out of love with it. But then I minored in Spanish. (laughs) Because then I realized that Students who were coming into my classroom that mm-hmm. was from an ESL. Had ESL bilingual from different countries, that they they still deserved the right to education. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to communicate with them. So it was it's it's just that nurturing servant service mindset that it's been for me forever. Wow. So I had to push. Mm-hmm. So I had to push. So I literally was on a trip with doing a school within school turning our high school that I was working at for down three years into a school within a school and had to, I got off the trip and got home and got my scores and I had missed it by one point. Mm. And I had to call my principal and said, I've missed it again. And I know you can now, you can't offer me another probationary contract because it's only three years. Mm-hmm. So I went to the school, packed up my stuff and put my resumes out there and ended up in Charlotte. Now this is how God works. Ashley, I to this day don't really know what my North Carolina certification score is. All I know is I got a letter from the state of North Carolina that said I I had passed and I I now had my certification, that I now had my license to teach. Don't know, like, any other time I took the test, score report comes in the mail, I open it, I miss a one point, one point, one point, one point. When I finally pass, I can't even tell you what I passed with. All I can tell you is I got the letter from the South Carolina Department of Public instruction and told me I now will certify. Wow. So after you go through all of these experiences, I want to ask, and we've talked about growing up in Cross, South Carolina, um, where you were in indebted from a very early (laughs) age Mm -hmm. with the goal of Education is the key. Education mm-hmm. is the key. And you said you had a vision for whatever reason to go to UCLA. Prior to being in that math class in um, as a senior, what did you want to be? I wanted to be an accountant. Okay. Um, and that started too from family. Um, my great aunt. Molly, people back home call her Molly, call her, her, her real, real name is Laura, but we called her sister. Okay. Owned, um, believe it or not, a, a bar and grill, a juke joint, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And she was the person who watched me when I came home from school. Okay. So, of course, um, you know, Ashley, she would have deliveries, right? You know, food, um, drinks, whatever. And, or... Or the restaurant would be open, and I would help. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, to, I wanted to be the person to collect the money. Because <laughs> I wanted to use my math skills. So I wanted to be able to not have to punch in a cash register mm-hmm. or not have to write on a piece of paper. I wanted to be that quick to tell you, oh, you gave me $20. Oh, okay, it was nine ninety five. Okay, how much money do I Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's where it came from. I wanted to be the manager of money. And then, of course, Mom is involved in everything she's everything delta sigma theta she's everything um church she's everything pta she's on booster club she's (laughs) you know the whole nine yards Mm -hmm. and for some reason at some point in time in these organizations she would become treasurer got it so of course now she would bring money home or collected checks or whatever and she's balancing books and she'd like check my check my numbers check my numbers check my so i was just surrounded by that Mm. Um, exposure to mathematics and reading Mm -hmm. and I was like you know what I want to be able to be an accountant but I can't remember another life experience of my high school math teacher um, Greg Newland tall white guy looked like Waldo um, Waldo (laughs) with the red and white striped shirt and the blue khakis you know the whole nine yards and his um, wife Lisa who's now like with my stepmom is what I call her, mm-hmm. um, you know, two white people. Well, when I met him, she was working on her CPA. Okay. So, of course, I'm like, 
got questions, right? This is a certified public accountant, and I'm asking her, well, what's your daily life like? And, you know, what's work every day? And she, all, I keep, all I kept picturing from the very first time she was, that she just sits and look at a computer and, and balance books every day. That's not what I really want to do. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's what I pictured, right? And then I'm just like, that's, I'm a people person. So that's when I said, mm, maybe just pure mathematics is not what I want to major in. Mm. And then I went in that question. This is so funny. I don't think I told you. My undergrad is in accounting. <laughs> and part of it is because my grandmother owned her own business. Okay. And I would watch her and my dad. I would watch them balancing their checkbooks. Yes, absolutely. And I was like, oh. And I had a thing for numbers. A thing for numbers. So I was like, well, this is surely what I'm supposed to do. And then the same thing, I had a thing for people. Yes. It's like, uh, these two they things don't, don't go together. They don't go together. Um, but this is so interesting. Yes, absolutely. I want to talk more about your pursuit of higher education. <laughs> because the number of African-American absolutely. women absolutely. that have doctoral degrees and have doctoral degrees in education absolutely. is very, very small percentage. You are one of those you earned it from baylor university in 2019 and 2021 started 2021. in 2018 how did it feel to accomplish this huge goal the feeling was wow because of exactly what you said um the statistics for the number of african-american women with a doctoral degree is it's so small mm-hmm. and to have been in a program where when I originally started in the program there were no african-american female teachers wow. professors so as you're going through this you're realizing what impact you really can possibly have obtaining this degree not just for professional movement in your own lives but what's happening in the world that there's so few African-American female doctors and professors. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my higher ed collegiate experience has been at predominantly white institutions, UWIs. Okay. And that was the biggest thing, actually, that stuck out to me at Clemson. I had no African-American professors male or female my whole four years at Clemson University wow and that's when the drive to doctorate started Mm. because even though I had no African-American professors the dean of my college of ed was an African-American male who was one of the first African-American male deans at Clemson University and we would talk about it all the time. Dean Harold Cheatham, Dr. Cheatham. Um, I worked for him all four years I was there. That was my work study thing that turned into a real, like a real job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I, every term, I would be like, Dean, not again. He's Charita what? I'm like, we gotta get, we gotta get some people that look like me in here. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started. And then I went and got my master's in the same situation. No professors that of color. No professors of color. So what's so interesting is um, my husband Clinton told me, one of the first things you told me when I met you was that you wanted to be a professor in the College of Gervais. Hmm. And actually I graduated, and two weeks later I was a professor at Baylor as adjunct professor. And when it happened, I, said, I told him about it, and he was like, you spoke it into existence. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you remember telling me that? But actually, when I was saying it at that time, I was saying it through the lens of I had now been in education and I wanted more people to come into education mm-hmm. with a better picture of what was happening in the K-12 setting from somebody who was living, who was walking the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like sometimes we get too far removed. We're teaching, right? But we're not, we haven't, we're not living what we're facing. Gotcha. So I wanted, and so I always said, I want to become a professor, but I don't want to leave from the K-12 sector as I'm doing 
the professorship Mm -hmm. because I want to be in the trenches to make it real and relevant as things are shifting and changing to make that real shift. Yes, we still need all the philosophical pieces to it and all the history about education, but we also got to monitor and adapt and adjust to what's happening in real time. Mm. So we need people who are who's in the trenches to bring that to the forefront to people who are about to enter into the K-12 sector. So that's what I originally was originally when I said I wanted to become a professor. That was my driving. But as I have gone through the higher ed sector and not see anybody look like me, I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. now. Mm -hmm. I know some strong African-American women educators and no, they don't necessarily have a doctorate. But they have some, they have knowledge, right. they have experience. I got to push through to be able to get in front of people to even take what I've learned from a Judy Broughton and a Viola Weldon and, a, you know, Velma Ham and a Rosalind Banks and a Lane Edie. Like, these are people who have filled my bucket as educators through my whole K-12 mm. and I've learned from them. But nobody's hearing their stories or no mm. one's getting to experience or no one's getting to see an African-American woman be a successful professor. Wow. And I need people who look like us to experience being educated by us. Mm. That's so, so powerful. So, so powerful. And representation matters. Totally matters. Especially, you know, being I grew up in Chicago went to Chicago public schools my entire life and I was blessed to have teachers that look like me Absolutely. having someone that had is your advocate but that looks like you that believes in you is so it's important huge. it's huge and I had had that all in my k-12 yeah. experience right so to now go to PWIs and mm-hmm. not see that it was like hold up I mean and to, to see it three times right I've, I've seen it at Clemson I've seen it at Winthrop I'm seeing it at Baylor we got to do something about this. Yeah. I want to ask how you, the length of time when you declare to your husband, whether you, de- you whether he says you declared and you <laughs> kind of probably like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're going to eat for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, the length of time when you made the statement that you want to not only earn your doctorate, but become a college professor to the time where it actually happened. What do you think that gap was? The gap was probably about six to seven years how did you maintain that goal that drive that passion because six to seven years is a long time okay. a lot of life can happen and a lot of life to did seven happen years. right so mm-hmm. um i really thought i was going to start working on my doctorate probably five years before i really did okay but God revealed some other things to me that I needed to work on first. Um, so I moved here to Texas in 2010 mm-hmm. um, for, for, the, for the job to be the director of, of um, secondary mathematics in Spring ISD. And once I got in the job, I quickly realized, oops, there's one more thing I need to achieve. And that was principalship. Mm-hmm. I needed to get certified as a principal. So I got in a program I worked the job, I think, almost two years, and then I got in the certification program to get certified as a principal. And then I said, okay, I think to even move further up in district-level positions in school districts, I actually need the experience. Okay. So after I got the principal certification, then I left a district job and went to a campus to become an associate principal of a high school. And I did that, and then I said, okay. But I was commuting almost an hour and a half one way. Oh, no. And I said, okay, God, <clears throat> I've I gotten that underneath my belt. I need to, okay, get back to the district level. And, and, but I need to now explore outside of just curriculum and instruction. I need to get in a, another because I want to make myself multifaceted to mm-hmm. be able to market myself as I continue to want to move up in the K-12 sector. So I got the job in Katy as a coordinator of accountability and school improvement. That now still lets me dabble a little bit in, in my curriculum and instruction side as a teacher, as a content coordinator, but more focused on supporting 
schools as they try to increase student achievement. Okay. So talking about strategic planning, talking about goal setting, looking at data, those kinds of things. And then once I got to two and a half years in, I said, okay, it's now time to, to really start pursuing this doctorate. Mm. Because the next steps I would want to make at the district level, that would be something to help market myself and to help me grow. And it's something I want to achieve because I want to see people that look like me with a doctorate and I want to be able to, to, to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I literally found the Baylor program sitting underneath the hair dryer at the hair salon. Truth, truth, truth. Tell us more. What happened? So I'm literally sitting underneath the hair dryer. Mm -hmm. Rollers in my hair. And I'm on Facebook, and you know, they have the ads. And one of the ads is for this new doctorate in educational leadership and organizational change at Baylor. And I'm like, huh. And what caught my eye is I didn't have to take the GRE. That is literally what sold me, is that I did not have to take the GRE again, because I had taken the GRE to get my master's. Mm -hmm. But now it had been, I don't know, however many years. Right. So I knew, hey, if I'm going to do this doctorate, I'm going to probably, admissions would probably be that. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't part of it. So it literally was like, you know, to get further information, fill out this little, and I did. And literally a week later, they were calling me to interview. And that's how I started. A week later. A week later. A week later. And then a week after you graduated, you were in a, a week professor. Of prof I was a professor. First class was a statistics class in the program that I had just graduated from. I was teaching statistics in the doctorate program that I had literally just graduated from. God uses everything. God uses everything. And now, five terms later, I've now taught statistics and I'm currently teaching mixed methods research to doctoral students in the program that I graduated from. So one of the things we talked about in our pre, um, preparation for the podcast, and it was actually a question I had already written down, and mm -hmm. I don't know if I shared mm -hmm. this with you. Um, I had written down, once you accomplish a huge goal, what do you do next? And I wrote this down because from a personal standpoint, when you accomplish a bucket list item, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a huge, like, yes, and it's wow. a sigh of relief. <laughs> it's a and wow. mm -hmm. you take a deep breath. But the other side of that, for yes. me at least, there's a bit of an emptiness. Mm -hmm. Because you've been holding on to this anticipation. Absolutely. And now that you've accomplished it, how do you what and I'm in the same place so and then other people start asking okay well now you've done it now what what's next what's next what's next what do you say take the time to reflect mm -hmm. take the time to pray mm -hmm. um I literally I, I spoke a little bit with you in preparation for this. I've been talking to dear friends and family, and I say, I feel like I've accomplished so much professionally. You know, mom sometimes says, okay, there's no more letters to get, right? Mm -hmm. There's no more degrees to pursue unless you just want a double master's or a double mm -hmm. doctorate. I make that mistake. Y you know? <laughs> um, but in my reflection time, my, my achievements, bucket list things, have truly been professional accomplishments mm -hmm. um, I have the three degrees I I have the principal certification I have the superintendency certification and those things have really kept me busy and, and, and grounded in academia but now I'm now I'm like okay where do I go personally mm. because I've poured out so much for these achievements and they're really wild moments and 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 gratitude everywhere to God and for his grace and his mercy and keeping me through it all. But now what, now that I've had some time to say, Ooh, okay, mm -hmm. I don't have to write another paper. I don't have to read another book, you know, all those yeah. kinds of things. Personally, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. What's next? And, and to be honest, actually in the last, I, I really feel like now I, I got this. So I, I started a week later being an adjunct professor. And then a month later, I started working on my superintendency certification. Mm. 
and then I achieved that um, the end of last year. So now it's been almost six months, right? And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't have to go upstairs to the office to read or write or post or anything like that. So I've been spending more time, as I call it, in my silence moment, mm -hmm. thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. And what the Lord has revealed to me is it's, it's time to work on you. Mm -hmm. um, my marriage, my faith, family, um, that's 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 the next thing for me mm -hmm. and I everybody and everybody's asking because I have the doctorate I have the certifications they're asking in terms of a job right like oh where's the next um, professional move and right now I feel like my focus is not really professional mm -hmm. God's saying be still in mm -hmm. that realm of my life mm -hmm. but to really take some time to Think about yourself. You've poured so much out. And in the midst of that, Ashley, I've tried to maintain my friendships and relationships and mm -hmm. being connected And because I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to be working so hard on the bucket list or the, the next goal till I lose touch with people mm -hmm. and, and my gift and my service. But my, and, I, and I, I'm going to be honest, my question has been in 2023, God, what's next? Mm -hmm. And what's coming in my silent moment time is it's going to be personal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I live by my scripture of Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, God's plans, not my plans. Yeah. And it's going to be to prosper and not to harm. So I'm trusting and believing. Now, do I have desires of my heart, Ashley, on the personal realm? Absolutely. Right. I desire to be. To, to have a child and to be a mother. I, de I desire to grow cl closer with my husband as we walk with the Lord. Like th that's, that's, that's true desires. And I know he will deliver that and reveal that in his true timing. Um, but if there's more mm -hmm. that I, that's blow my mind exceeding abundantly above mm -hmm. that I can think or imagine, okay, God, I'm hearing you say it's going to be personal. So, and before the doctorate, before the student training certification, I would tell you, I always looked more on the professional side mm, okay. of what's next. But God's telling me right now, get the personal side. It's mm. time to work on the personal side. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as people, mm -hmm. we have to remember that we have both sides. Mm -hmm. And they both need to be nurtured. They, they both need to, they both, you have that, just like that work-life balance, right? you have that professional personal balance it's the same thing yeah. and what i also know that happens is that sometimes we overcompensate with one when the other may not necessarily be going the way we want it to go mm -hmm. so i can move and shake right now on this professional side because you know i just i don't want to have to deal with this personal stuff or i'm going to move and shake with this personal stuff because i don't want to have to deal with this professional stuff work school whatever mm -hmm. and we overcompensate but there comes a point in time where you have to deal with it all. Mm -hmm. That's so um, honest. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for bringing that to the forefront, especially as achievers. Absolutely. Where we see a goal and we want to tackle the goal. Sometimes, speaking for myself, the personal piece mm -hmm. is harder. It's harder. Because there is no syllabus. There's no checklist. There's no planning guide. Yeah. There's no roadmap. No. I can go to therapy, and I, and I do, but she can't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Absolutely. so it is a whole lot harder. And so let me ask, how are you doing sitting in the stillness? At the beginning, it was so hard okay. because I am a planner. I am a, okay, Today, I need to do this, 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 and this. I am a to-do list, task list kind of a person. And you just nailed it, Nancy. There is, there is no, actually, no, there, mm -hmm. you know, I told them even with writing the, the dissertation, right, they, they told you what the expectations were, mm -hmm. right? Um, what should be in each chapter, you know, all those. You don't have that for the personal journey. Mm -hmm. And my personal journey and your personal journey may have some similarities, but they're not the same. Correct. So I have to walk this journey. Mm -hmm. And um, every, the, the word that keeps coming in this time is wait. Mm -hmm. The songs that minister to me are songs that have the word wait in them. 
which tells me in due season, mm-hmm. right? But it's hard sometimes because I'm like, I'm ready to get this done. Whatever this is, Lord, put it, I'm ready for it. But if he really felt like I was ready for it, he would have already given it to mm-hmm. me. So there's something in the preparation. There's something in the learning. And I have to keep telling myself that, that when he feels you're ready to handle it, he will give it to you. Mm. Oh, that's good. When he's feel you ready to handle it, he will give. So there's something right now in this stillness, in this waiting, that he's growing within you. Mm-hmm. That he's revealing to you that you're supposed to learn yeah. so that when he delivers whatever is going to blow my mind, I'll be ready for it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't have moments of wanting that instant, instant gratification, wanting the, just tell me what to do. I, I have those moments because that's us as humans. But then I have to remember, I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. He is. Mm-hmm. You are also um, very, very active, faithful servant um, within your within our church family. How have you found balance? being a a caretaker you've already acknowledged you have been brought up to pour out Mm -hmm. how do you do that well while caring for yourself as a servant leader that has been a learning for me okay because i am one to want to carry my load as well as everybody else's load and i'm not one to necessarily say out loud i need help or i need support um, because I already know that, hey, if I'm going, everybody's going to do something. Everybody is. But what I've learned is I have to turn it off mm. and not feel guilty. Just a week ago, I literally had to say, okay, Lord, you know my heart, but I, I can't go to rehearsal tonight. I'm running on empty. <laughs> the old me would have pushed myself through and pushed myself through, but but because I'm taking this time to sit, I can't do it. Because I can't pour from an empty cup. Correct. And to be a real servant, mm-hmm. you have to lead by example. So when people reach out to me to say, I'm not coming to rehearsal tonight. I'm really tired. I don't feel good. There is no judgment, Ashley. Because we got to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And God really does know our hearts. And yeah. he, he's the ultimate judge person not us but I had to get past that feeling guilty that I'm taking some time to replenish myself and most of the time that's literally again just sitting and being still mm-hmm. because I'm a <laughs> my family calls me and my mom the road runner y'all are like the road runner that cartoon the road runner y'all are always going you're always going you're always going and it's true but you get to a point of Lord I can't go anymore mm-hmm. I can't serve with quality Mm. if I don't take some time for me. Oh, did y'all hear that? I can't serve with quality. With quality. If I don't take some time for me. So what is taking some time for me? What are some activities of self-care for you? So as simple as every two weeks, I, I go get manicure and pedicure. Okay. Um, every night. I just sit. Um, I have a calendar reminder on my phone for prayer and scripture every night at 713, every night. Mm. Um, Because if we don't give the Lord his time, Mm -hmm. why are we shortchanging him? He's given us the best. He's given us brand new mercies every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. We got to give him his time. Um, and sometimes, actually, that is literally just sitting in my house in total silence. No TV, no phone, no nothing. Just silence. Because my mind is going 500 miles a minute, trying to school, work, church, family. It's going. Boards. I mean, it's it's going. But I, I, can't, I can't give quality. I can't pursue excellence if I'm not taking care of myself. Mm, that is good. That is good. And I hope that that spoke to me. Um, And I am sure that is speaking to so many other people that are recognizing in themselves that the pursuit 
has left them tired, mm-hmm. has left them drained, even if the pursuit is for purpose. Absolutely. That there's a time for everything. Everything. Even in the wait. Even in the wait. So my sister, I pray for you. You. That in this season that God has you waiting and in stillness, that you will wait well. That he will fulfill every single desire in your waiting season. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Thank you. And I thank you for sharing that with us so that we can join you in that prayer and thank in you. that expectation. Mm-hmm. So I want to change this last segment because we normally look ahead but I want to change it to instead of looking ahead, looking back. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we don't do a good job at that. We're looking ahead to, all right, Lord, let's go. Absolutely. We're moving. As you are slowing down, whether it's just for a moment, for a season, Mm -hmm. or for however long God has you, I want you to share We talked about how close and special our relationships are with our moms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mother's Day recently passed. Y'all won't see this episode till August, but we're filming in May. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) secret, you're in. Um, Mother's Day just passed. Mm -hmm. And we shared how special your relationship is with your mom. Mm -hmm. What is one lesson your mother has taught you about life that you have held on to? (laughs) Two things my mom says, I don't care who you are. I don't care what how old you are. She's going to say these two things. Never give up and stay focused. Mm. Post on Facebook. <laughs> um, write it in cars. She cards to people. What she says to individuals, those are her two things. And I have watched her walk that out. Mm. I really have. Um, my, like I've said earlier, uh, or maybe I haven't, my, um, what I remember in my upbringing is always my mom taking care of people from, uh, my great grandmother who lived with us and ended up going into the hospital after having, um, went in for cataract surgery, ended up having a major stroke. And then that same aunt that I was talking about that had the the bar and grill ended up moving in our home when she became physically challenged. Um, Right now, um, grand aunts, my grandmother that she's supporting in the midst of her own health challenges. Mm -hmm. She just thought she just won't give up. Um, In the midst of divorce, um, in the midst of a child being incarcerated, um, in the midst of driving to the end of our road and the car catching on fire and her coming just walking back like nothing oh the car caught on fire during the road like you know you didn't have cell phones at that Mm -hmm. time she just walks back to the house like oh yeah the car's on fire like just never never gave up Mm -hmm. um and then to be my biggest cheerleader as i continue to say mama i I think i'm going to do this stay focused sure i know you got a lot going on but stay focused so i've watched not just i mean my my mom is is we talk multiple times a day we're in you know i've been here in in houston area now for almost god i came in almost 13 years and i still have to say mom remember i'm an hour behind you i'm about you know (laughs) but we talk multiple times a day and we talk about everything um but she still says to me stay focused never give up never give up and that's, um, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to do it, and to, like I said, to have seen her do it, mm-hmm. in spite of all the challenges. I, I, I mean, I can go over, like, there's just so many things I can just, and all, like, me too, right? Things I have seen myself never give up on. I didn't give up on their certification test, right? I didn't give up in spite of having the autoimmune disease. I didn't, I didn't give up on getting the doctorate, even though it took a little bit longer than I wanted it to do. Um, but it's some people are watching you. That's the other thing, actually. Um, even before the age of social media, mm-hmm. um, people are watching you. 
They're watching your moves. They're watching, they're listening to what you're saying. Um, I, I hear that even more now in our church, right? You think we've transitioned at our church from mm -hmm. the sanctuary to the cathedral. And, you know, in the sanctuary, you know, we felt like we were smaller and, you know, you could see everything. But even in the cathedral now, people are like, people be like, I saw you. And I'm thinking, oh, you're really, you know? <laughs> but people are watching. Mm -hmm. Um it's interesting in my, in my family, I'm kind of in a age group by myself, um, in terms of like grandchildren and all those kinds of things. So my brother is seven years older than me. And like I said, then I was going to college and my little sister was going mm -hmm. to, so I'm like, so there's like a pocket of grandkids and cousins here and a pocket of grandkids. And I'm kind of like in an island on my own. Um, but both sides, I know just from little things that get said to me I'm is watching, watching me. Mm -hmm. Um, Never give up. Never give up. Stay focused. I love that. That's a perfect way. Perfect, perfect way to conclude that section. Never give up and stay focused. If someone wanted to reach out to you that are thinking about pursuing higher education, that are in education, and they're like, I don't know if this is for me because I don't see anybody that looks like me. How did you keep going? How can they um, get in touch with you? Please look for me on social media. Um, I have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. It's Sharita, S-H-E-R-I-T-A, and then Wilson Rogers, and it's hyphenated, and the Rogers has a D in it. But please look me up. That's that's why I do what I do. Um, not for, I, I'm, I'm so thankful and humbled by the opportunities that God has given to me but it's now time for me to help somebody else. So if I can help somebody else along the way, then my living won't be in vain. Mm. So if I can help you, if you just need a listening ear, if you just want to brainstorm or bounce some ideas off of each other, please know that I'm here. That's, that's what I feel my, my gift is, to be of support and to serve. To be of support and service. And all of her contacts will be in the description of the video so please please reach out and if you are also in this waiting season or you've come through a waiting season and you have some words of encouragement for uh, Sharita please 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 reach Absolutely. out and let her know that you're praying with and for her um, let us know your favorite takeaway if your mother also has said <laughs> never give up and stay focused <laughs> let us know that too but until we gather again every single Thursday, subscribe, like the podcast. This is really, really great content. Um, every Thursday, we'll be right here. May God increase your joy. May he grant you strength and favor and give you the courage to tell your story. Bye, friends.